It's time for the Mean Streets Podcast, presented by Full Moon Barbecue. For the only podcast with an inside look at Crimson Tide basketball all season long, turn to the Mean Streets. Britton Johnson and William Galloway take you from tip to buzzer with complete coverage of the Alabama Crimson Tide men's basketball team. Here's your host, William Galloway. Welcome into week 18 of the Mean Streets podcast. Week 18 means it is tournament time. The SEC tournament March is upon us, and we're headed south to Tampa this year, uh, a little bit different than the Nashville scene. But, Britton, how are you doing? How are you feeling now that it's March and the excitement of the greatest month of the year is upon us? Yeah, you know, obviously – not an ideal week of basketball this past week, but uh, we are now in a zero, uh, a completely new season. So we're zero and zero, uh, and every game we're fighting for our lives from here on out. So um, this is March, as John Rothstein says, and, and I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. There's already been some crazy games. Uh, a couple of teams have already gotten their bids from conference, uh, some of the smaller conferences, Loyola Chicago in the tournament. Um, but before we look at March Madness, let's take a look back at how the regular season ended. Um, 19 and 12 overall, the Crimson Tide are headed into postseason play. Nine and nine, finished the regular season nine and nine in conference play. A loss versus Texas AM in the last home game uh, on Wednesday. That was a 71 to 87 loss. And then a loss at LSU in a very close one in overtime, 77 to 80. Uh, Britton, talk to us about a little bit about both of those games. Uh, and then also I want to hear your thoughts on your last home game in Coleman Coliseum and what that was like for you emotionally. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start with that uh, A&M game, um, which for me honestly ranks as one of the most disappointing losses of my Alabama career. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, last home game in Coleman, uh, I, there were definitely emotions. They were there, um, but – wasn't like overwhelmed by him or anything, but you it just kind of like the more you're kind of going through things and it's something that I've kind of hit this year where it's like, it's, it's the season of last, if that makes any sense, where like you, you, you start doing things, you know, like this is the last time I'm going to do this, that, and the other. Um, so it's a little bit of a weird feeling, but uh, you know, I still thought we'd be ready to go for that game. And, and I don't think uh, we responded the way we should have off of what was a great win against uh South Carolina the Saturday before uh you know I, I thought Texas A&M you know kind of like I said a, a few weeks ago about our last four games four incredibly tough teams and uh A&M that's that's what they built their program on that and um really just an aggressive defensive style they, they're in a very uh, aggressive team and uh I mean they took it to us I don't really know how else to kind of Say, uh, I mean, there are obviously some silver linings here and there, but after the momentum we had started to build uh, the, the previous few games, it was really disappointing to see that game go the way it did. Um, and, you know, when I think about the most disappointing losses of my career, a lot of them are to teams that we were way, way better than. And, you know, while I think that in totality, I, our team is uh, more talented than A&M's, um, that's not why it necessarily ranks there for me. It was more so kind of like you said, the last home game of your career uh, for a lot of our guys, probably their last home game in Coleman. And you just kind of, 
I just thought we, we'd be a little bit better there, uh, honestly. And so that was a really tough one for us. Uh, and, and I think we all took it, uh, took it pretty hard to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't think, uh, it's not like we win the locker room and we're just kind of goofing around and laughing. Like, I think everyone recognized, oh man, we kind of screwed up there. And, uh, I thought we responded really well the next few days. Um, going into that LSU game, I thought we were ready to go. And, and I'll tell you what, like, there are losses that, like the A&M one, that you just kind of leave and you're like hanging your head. You feel terrible. You feel sick to your stomach. And to an extent, that's every loss. But then there are losses that, you know, you give tremendous effort and maybe you miss shots. Maybe you make a couple of mental lapses here and there. But uh, the effort's there. The intensity's there. The focus is there for the most part. And I thought that was kind of the case in Baton Rouge, a, a great road environment, uh, really made me feel that March is here. You know, it, that was the first game. I was like, okay, it's, it's that time of the year. And um, I thought we responded pretty well to it. LSU's a very good team. Obviously, they ended up with the tiebreak over us for the five seed in the SEC. So they're right there with us. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it was a game that we could have won. You know, some, a lot of people would probably say it's a game we should have won. I'm not even going to argue with them on that. But, uh, you know, sometimes the ball just it, it doesn't go in or, you know, it doesn't go your way at the end. And um, like I said, LSU, tremendous team, a team that has a lot of pride in performance and is very competitive. And, you know, it's their senior day. So Darius says that was his last game in uh, the PMAC and uh, Xavier Penson, a couple other of those guys. So, I mean, in all likelihood, Eason, you know, who isn't a senior, but is going to probably leave and go pro. So knowing the pride they have in their program, it, it was going to be a very tough win for us. And like I said, I thought the intensity was there. That was the most we had flown around on the defensive side of the ball in, in a long time. So I was really happy about that. I thought, uh, you know, a lot of our guys stepped up and played really well. And I think that all of that, even though the result didn't go the way we wanted it to, I think it all bodes very well for this week. And I think it bodes very well for, for the rest of March. You know, I think all four of our, you know, main guards, if you will, are really starting to play some of their best basketball right now. Um, and obviously not all four are going to play perfectly in every single game, but the trend is in the pot in the right direction right now. You know, Keon Ellis is really starting to hunt his threes. Like we've been, uh, pushing him to do because we know how good of a shooter he is and how good of a player he is. And, and you saw it in the second half of that game. I thought he was a little passive in the first half, honestly, but uh, he came out of the locker room and, you know, as a shooter, there's nothing better than having a coach or having teammates. They're telling you shoot more, shoot the ball if you get it. And uh, he was firing on all cylinders in that second half. Uh, you know, the main problem obviously in that game was turnovers. Um, you look at the turnovers, I think we finished with 21 LSU, I believe ranks uh, number one in the country in turnovers force per game or turnover rate. So uh, that's what they do. I think AM was like number two or number three. So it's not like we've been turning the ball over to teams that are just slouches and it's just, we're just giving the ball away, even though that's how some of the plays end up looking. Uh, there is, there are a lot of things we can fix with that. Obviously and there are a lot of things that we're going to have to fix with that. If we're going to ha uh, have success in March, but, uh, having those two games this week really probably prepared us really well for the games to come. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I thought 
overall, I don't have just a ton of complaints about that game. I left that game kind of with my head held high, even even though it was a really frustrating loss. Obviously, uh, we've built a little bit of a rivalry with that LSU program, and uh, I don't know that they like us very much, and I don't know that we like them uh, all that much either, but that's what makes college sports so fun. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think there is a level of respect there because it's just two tremendous programs just competing their tails off. Uh, in a in a ruckus environment, so uh, a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, it all bodes well, I think, for this week. Even though uh, the results didn't go the way we wanted them to. Yeah, so LSU's I win. Off. I think LSU's win was the first in the last five or maybe six games with Alabama, uh, and so obviously that meant a lot to them. It meant a lot with a twenty-win regular season on the line for Alabama, but more so just trying to get off on the right foot headed into postseason play. So, Britton, how does um, the program, everybody in the program, how do you flush those two losses, you know, step on them, smush them, whatever, and and turn your attention towards what's next um, in a game versus an uncertain opponent uh, as you get, you know, you, we're not in a play-in game in the SEC tournament. We've got the winner of Georgia versus Vanderbilt. How do you turn your attention now um, to what is now a one-game season uh, for up to potentially 10 games? Well, I think in a sense, you kind of answered your own question there. You know, the easiest way to flush it is by saying, I mean, this is probably one of the easiest losses to flush all year, and that is, hey, it's a new season. So uh, I don't even know why we're still – like, we're going to obviously go do film review, see how we could learn from that game. But – you have to move on fast because it we're zero and zero right now. We're not 19 and 12 anymore. We're zero and zero and every game we're fighting for our lives. And if you can't be motivated to, to ball and March madness in uh, this environment, I mean, I, I think we'll be ready. I'm very confident. And, you know, something I think this team has kind of learned, I think we're going to really rally together over um, in the coming weeks uh, is it's really an, not to take away from our fans at all in saying this, but it's 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 really an us against the world mentality and that like the the guys in the locker room, that's that's who all we have, you know. And obviously we love our fans, we love their support, but we also know that the world we live in, people are uh often quick to criticize it. If you live on the opinions of others, you're gonna uh I don't know, you're just gonna you're gonna fail at the end of the day and you're gonna probably crum- crumble under the pressure. So we just gotta completely be all in on each other the next few weeks. Um, and just not just block out all of the noise because uh, the more you let the noise in, especially with March Madness, I mean, you kind of saw it a little bit with Duke and their loss on Saturday. It was clear, obviously, North Carolina took it to them, and, and who knows at the end of the day how much all of the buildup for that game, being Coach K's last, got to those players. But I'm sure it did at some level. And it's the team that rallies around each other the most that really – loves each other the most and is able to block out all the noise the most that tends to be the most successful in March. So uh, I think those will be some of our main focuses, but just kind of having a, uh, a mindset of, Hey, flush it. We're zero and zero now. So, you know, all that other stuff, it's, it's great. All the accomplishments we've had, that's great, but they really don't matter now. Um, So it's time to go on a run. Um, I think everybody knows it. I think everyone knows that we have the talent to do it. And uh, I'm excited to see us do it because I believe in this team. I believe in this group that we have. And I think we have a lot of really special dudes. And 
I think, uh, you know, what's the what's the old saying? Big time players make big time plays and big time moments. I, I think we got a lot of big time players. So I think they're going to be built for these big time moments in the next few weeks. Britton, I agree with that. And uh, the outside noise thing is a big factor to me as well. I want to ask you on that note, this is related. Um, there's been a lot of people say, well, it, you know, which Alabama team is going to show up? It's it's Jekyll and Hyde. What is your interpretation of common denominators and wins and common denominators of losses? Um, because to a fan that may not know as much about the game of basketball as a player or somebody inside the program, how do you pinpoint what goes well for Alabama specifically in wins and what recently hasn't gone well in losses and when and how fans, um, maybe more unknowing fans, kind of interpret the which team is going to show up mentality? Um, you know, I think it, it comes down to a few factors. Obviously, we've seen recently offensively uh, some turnover struggles. And, um, you know, even with all that, we're one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, but obviously that's, that's our biggest, uh, that's our biggest concern offensively right now. I think we're shooting the ball a lot better as of late. Again, I think that's another thing that uh, is going to help us this week. I mean, I, I think Keanu is shooting the lights out of it right now. Uh, Shaq obviously didn't have his best game on Saturday, but he's been shooting it really well recently and is a dude that's built for March and um jq starting to get his stroke back like we have guys i mean jd hit three uh last game and, and i think darius is shooting well like we have dudes that are starting to really hit their stride shooting the ball and uh so really turnovers if we can cut that down i mean i think that's the biggest thing uh offensively defensively um it comes down to attention to detail and really uh in a sense competitive endurance and consistency um you got to have a great competitive stamina to be a great defensive team because it can't be just playing off the highs and lows of things. It has to be you, every single play you're trying to win that play. And uh, sometimes, to be honest, I think when I talk about blocking on the noise, that's something that we've had to con like get better at throughout the year. And I don't know if we fully arrived there, but I think we're getting better at that. Um, but I think sometimes it literally is like, what's the external like for this game? You know, what's the environment like? Uh, something that we've struggled with a little bit this year. And um, which in a sense, I've said this about, I've said this phrase about a hundred times, it bodes well for the next couple of weeks because there's not going to be one bad environment you're going to play in in March Madness or in the conference tournament. Um, you know, but all that said, um, I, yeah, I think it just comes down to just how much are we flying around on the defensive end? Um, Obviously, beginning it in the beginning of the year, rebounding was a major issue, and to an extent, it's still something that's a huge key to victory. Um, and turnovers offensively, and you know, making shots helps. It, it does, and uh, shooting covers a multitude of sins. And uh, I don't necessarily put that down as a huge key to victory because uh, we played a lot better uh on home than at home than we have on the road and we've shot it a lot better on the road than we have at home so uh i don't know if that is necessarily the factor that is gonna make or break us but if you want to make a run in march you you probably need to shoot the ball pretty well so um yeah those are just a few of the main factors biggest question here what do you need to focus on to have success against either georgia or vanderbilt yeah, like you said, it starts with that Thursday game. 
obvious statement, but you can't go on a run if you don't win the first one. And, um, you know, I think people might easily overlook the 11 or the 14 seed, but we're looking at a team that beat us and a team that it was a one possession game came down to the last possession uh, in Vanderbilt. And uh, so, I mean, we're one and one against combining against these two teams. And I, if you were to look at the, you know, total sum of those two games, I think we have a, a, a losing score there. I mean, we scored less points than we've given up. So those, you know, two good challenges for us. I'd love to uh, personally see Georgia again, just because that was uh, a, a game that we lost and it would be a great chance to kind of get that one back. Uh, and obviously Vanderbilt's a very, very good team. Uh, we talked at length about them the last couple of weeks when we played them and really before then kind of prepping that one, Scotty Pippen's a tremendous player. Stackhouse uh, deserves just a ton of credit for the way he's coached that team. Uh, they're a lot better than the record indicates. Uh, that would be a really tough game for us. Georgia, um, I think, you know, they're, they've had a rough stretch, especially since our game. Uh, but if you don't think that getting to play us again would give them a, a, a sense of hope in terms of we've already beaten this team, we can do it again, I think you'd be sorely mistaken. So we have to take every – game for the challenge that it is and um, definitely not overlook any team. And so I think those would be two great challenges for us. And I think also great opportunities for us to get some momentum uh, built up for the coming games. If we were so fortunate to be able to play those. And also uh, what is becoming basically a biannual or annual tradition of playing Kentucky in the quarterfinals. What excites you about the possibility of matching up against Kentucky in that Friday game? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the one time, obviously, uh, COVID cut short or completely cut off the SEC tournament uh, my sophomore year. Uh, last year, I was really hoping, to be honest, even though I, I thought we played one of our best games of the year against Mississippi State the next day, that uh, Kentucky was going to be able to pull that out because uh, getting to play Kentucky doesn't matter how good or how bad they are in a given year, it's Kentucky. And uh, you know their fans travel better than maybe any fan base in the country. Um, you know, I think our fan base is pretty great as well, but the way Big Blue travels is, is noticeably different than any other team in the conference. Uh, and I don't think I'm making a radical statement there. Um and so the first thing you get is a, a game with just a fantastic environment. Uh, you know, freshman year, we got to play those guys. Uh, and what, what I remember so vividly is from the – we played them the first game of conference play that freshman year and beat them at home in Coleman and then played them in Nashville. And just seeing how much that team had matured over the course of that SEC play was – was unbelievable. That's something that's kind of a trademark of Calipari's team is teams are is how much they get better over the course of the year. So, the team that we would play in the SEC tournament would be better than the team we played in Rupp, which was better than the team we played in Coleman. Um, you know, all that said, uh, I'd be really, really excited to get that matchup. Kind of like what I was saying with Georgia. Um, you know, those guys swept us. They got us twice, and I don't think, you know, I thought the first game we played pretty dang hard. I thought we played pretty well. We shot three of 30 from three. And, you know, like I said, I don't think shooting necessarily makes or breaks you, but when you set uh, some records with how poorly you shoot the ball in a game, that's probably not going to 
uh, be a great, uh, successful night for you and your team. And it wasn't for us that night. Uh, and then we went into Rupp and I thought we had great energy come out of the gates and then we just kind of let up. And uh, once they got momentum, they shot the absolute lights out of the building. So um, that would be a, a really exciting matchup for us. I, I think uh, it'd be a very fun game uh, from a fan perspective to watch because it's two very up-tempo teams that are not afraid to push the ball. Uh, and it's, I mean, two of the more talented teams in the country. Um, and hopefully by the end of March, uh, we'll regain the status of one of the best teams in the country and we'll be able to say two of the best teams in the country. So uh, I would welcome that matchup. And, you know, some that I've, I've heard some friends and, and, people just come up to me and say, man, like sucks you're on Kentucky side of the bracket. But if you're going to be able to win the SEC tournament, you're going to have to go through the best teams in the SEC and you have to look to go through those teams. You, you can't be afraid of that. So that's, that's uh, also not a competitor's mindset. Like a real competitor 100%. wants to play good teams. Doesn't want an easy, you know, draw. You want to prove yourself and play high quality competition to be a champion. 100%. You want to, you want to, prove that you are the best by beating the best. And, um, you know, I, I just, I would invite that matchup because, you know, not to say that it'd be a, a, an easy win for us at all. I think everyone knows the challenge that Kentucky presents, but uh, I think it'd be a very, very fun matchup. Uh, and I think our whole team would be excited to play that Kentucky team again. All right. So I got a couple more SEC tournament related questions for you. Um one, while it's on my mind, this is a little bit more lighthearted. And so I'll ask you this and we'll get back to the bracket. But what has been the best thing you've gotten in your SEC tournament gift suite? And what do you hope to get this year? And for those that don't know, the SEC gift suite is it's like a college football bowl game. You get gifts for participating in the tournament as a player uh, and, and team member. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i trying to remember even what I – I think I got uh, – yeah, I got a, a big JBL speaker my uh, my sophomore year. That was, that was a really nice gift. Um, I actually wasn't able to get one my freshman year just because I was the 16th guy and only 15 guys got gifts. Uh, and then last year, to be honest, I looked at the catalog and I either had some form of it because they'd have like – cool versions of like sunglasses or something like that. And it's like, I, I have sunglasses. I don't need another pair. Um, that's just an example, but. Uh, you're very, or, you're a very reasonable guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one sunglass pair kind of guy, but uh, it, it was either things I didn't want or didn't need. And, um, and so I let my, uh, my girlfriend at the time decide for me and I got her an espresso machine. So I, was, I think I was boyfriend of the, of the year for that one. Uh, unfortunately the relationship didn't last. So that was really a lost investment on my end. Um, but yeah, so hopefully I'm going to get something for myself this year. I'll be looking for that for sure. Yeah. You do. Learned, you can. My and if there's, if there's like a pair of socks or something, that's cool that you want to give your podcast co-host, uh, I would gladly accept that. When do y'all get the catalog when you get there? That's a great question. Uh, sometime in the next couple of days, we'll probably get to look at it and go over it. I'm looking okay. forward to it. We'll we'll keep us updated um, on what you get. I can oh, ask I you next week on next week's podcast when we preview uh, the full on March Madness tournament and get to break down the SEC tournament. Yeah. Uh, side story on that freshman year, I was going. Uh, Tyler Barnes, one of my one of my close friends, uh, was Tyler's roommate. He was one of his three roommates in like Prez 
it wasn't Perez, it was Ridgecrest, whatever it was. But I'm walking like up to their room and I see Tyler like heading into their building and he's got like a, he's just carrying a 40 inch TV. It's like in mid April or something. So the gifts had come in and I was like, Tyler, like it's mid April. We're about to move out of the dorms. Why did you buy a TV? Like, that's kind of stupid. And he's like, oh, no, no, I didn't pay for it. I got this for free. It was part of the gift suite from like the SEC tournament. And I was like, okay, well, jealous and great choice. Uh, So ever since then, I've taken a big interest into gift suites for football and basketball. Yeah, yeah. So listen to this, though. Here's the thing about Tyler Barnes that the, the people need to know. This dude has gotten a TV every single year. What? Uh, Every the same TV, he gets the same TV every year. I don't even know if he opens the box. I think he knows that that's the best gift, and he just gets it every year. I, I don't know if he just wants to be the best son ever and gets it get get a new one for his mom every year or something. But yeah, he'll get he'll circle the the TV, get the TV every year. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, he'll just like leave it boxed too. I mean, that dude. Is, I have so many questions. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Maybe maybe there's like a Tyler Barnes TV lounge in Figam by now because this would be the fifth TV I guess that he gets this year. Yeah. Um, I mean I mean, granted, you can't even watch uh, five games in March Madness. There's only four going on at one time. You only need four TVs. That's the most well, you yeah. ever need. Maybe he'll change his ways this year, but I, I doubt it. But but granted, you know, a signed Tyler Barnes TV could go for a lot of money these days. So maybe he's just trying to make himself uh, a quick buck on the on the turnaround. Uh, now that NIL is a thing that you can actually do that, he would yeah, never well, done that in the past. I'm just, I'm just saying, Britain. If if there is a little rinky dink, you know, uh, t-shirt or something, you can you can spare me, spare me some change. You know, it's like that meme with the guy with his hands out is like, spare any change. Uh, let me know. Yeah. Well, what's that shirt? What, what's that shirt of you? Um, large, golf shirt, medium. Peter Millar medium, Peter Millar pullover medium. So just throwing that out there. Yeah, I feel like you'd be the type I'd give you like an XL shirt that'd be a little big on you. And you'd be like, oh, never mind. That's a little big on me. I don't <laughs> have any large stuff. I have all XL. Well, God makes everybody different, Britain. Everybody's different. Yeah. We're all yeah, special in our own to way. accommodate for the, for the different size people. Yeah, well, okay. On that note, let's get back to the bracket. <laughs> I have a couple more bracket questions for you. Uh, purely as a basketball fan, remove yourself from the equation as a participant in this tournament. What matchup excites you that is either on paper right now or there's a potential for this matchup in the SEC tournament for the 2022 season? Okay, yeah. So removing myself completely uh, from this picture. This is removing myself as a player from this picture. I'm looking from the fan perspective. Um, You know, I think Alabama-Kentucky, which I'd say is a likely matchup just from a from a statistical standpoint, uh, and that Alabama wants to win the one game. Um, It's going to be an exciting one in the round of eight. Uh, I think whoever Auburn would have in the final four matchup would be really a pretty exciting matchup in in that Arkansas-LSU kind of space um and then I'm, I'm not even really looking at the brackets i'm saying this i'm just kind of going off from memory but uh and then to be honest and this is this is where my bias comes in a little bit right but if you could get 
and Alabama, Auburn. But, but there's no bias because you're a fan. Sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is. Let's say it's an Alabama fan perspective. This is a fan of Al. This is, this is from the perspective of someone who's from Alabama who loves Alabama sports, but it has no relation to the program. I think a rematch uh, of the Iron Bowl of basketball uh, in the SEC title game would be unbelievably exciting, not even just from the standpoint of it's a great rivalry game, but from the standpoint of two very exciting brands of basketball being showcased on the biggest stage, um, getting the chance to play for a championship. Uh, what more could you ask for? I think, I think, you know, that'll be very exciting. So hopefully, uh, hopefully now going back to the player perspective here, uh, we're able to do our part and, and get ourselves there to maybe make that our half of that happen. That's awesome. Uh, good answer. And I, I mean, just on paper right now, uh, the, the possibility for that Friday mid afternoon game, late afternoon game versus Arkansas versus most likely LSU. I think that, uh, is a dark horse for the game of the tournament. I mean, both programs that have a lot of success, um, that have had success and then Arkansas really knows how to play good basketball in March. So that's something I'm definitely looking forward to, uh, the potential of Britain. I want to ask you too, Tampa, a lot of fans are saying I've had multiple people ask me at the state finals this week in different places, like, Hey, you going to Tampa? Um, and like, uh, no Jack Royer is, but, uh, I'm not, uh, (laughs) I've got to work. I have a job and I want to keep that job. And so what to you is anything different about you're used to playing in Nashville, um, there's, you know, the SEC tournament is kind of in Nashville or kind of, they kind of go to bed, go well together. Um, they're peanut butter and jelly, but, uh, what's different about Tampa and what are you looking forward to, uh, playing this tournament in Florida? Um, you know, I guess I can't fully speak on it yet just because, you know, I've been to Tampa once in passing, but never really stayed there. So, um, you know, have heard great things, but, you know, like you said, I, I think Nashville is just such a perfect place for this tournament to be played. And this isn't an anti-Tampa stance. I mean, shoot, hopefully in a week's time, uh, Tampa will be one of my favorite cities on planet Earth. And I will have had a week full of great experiences there ending with a Sunday championship. But, um, you know, Nashville is just such a great spot for it because it's so central to the SEC. It's obviously just a fantastic city. And, you know, I think almost every fan base is really able to come and travel. And it's not like just way out of the way, whereas in Tampa, it's uh, a little less central to the to the SEC. Uh, you know, that said, uh, something I'm looking forward to, the weather. I've already checked the weather. It's going to be a shorts and T-shirt uh, week, all week. The weather is going to be fantastic. I am absolutely looking forward to that part of it. Um, and, you know, I, I do think it'll be a great location for it. Um, you know, you're still going to get to play in a high-level arena. Uh, I'm looking forward to that aspect of it. And, you know, it will be cool to kind of be able to be in another major city. And uh, like I said, a city I've never really been in for an extended period of time and uh, hopefully get to be there for an extended period of time. Uh, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to to a great week. And who knows, my opinion might have completely shifted away from Nashville by the end of this week. It is all I know at this point. But, um, you know, I might be a big Tampa believer by the end of the week. So who knows? All right, Britton, before we close up, just a basketball-related question, uh, looking at college basketball as a whole. Obviously, Coach K played his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium uh, this past weekend and lost to North Carolina. 
And I don't know how much you got to see of that game. Uh, it was after LSU. And so I'm sure y'all might have been back in Tuscaloosa and you got to see some. But man, the I don't know if it was embarrassment or there just the scene in Cameron Indoor after they lost was something out of a movie because you had memes being made left and right of like these crying Duke fans. But Coach K was talking about how this was unacceptable. Like, what was your whole takeaway? of his final game in Cameron, because it was a berserk ending. I mean, not even that it was a close game, just the emotions and everything. And you grew up a Duke fan. So what did you think about that whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this much on the pod, but I, I didn't just grow up a Duke fan. Like anyone who grew up around me in high school would know I grew up a diehard Duke fan. Like I wore my Duke stuff to school almost every day. Galloway can assess this at some level. Like I, I – I was all in on your dog's Duke, name is Duke. My dog. Yeah. My dog's name is Duke. And uh, I was responsible for naming him. So like my family is all rooted for Duke, but I, I have always been just an absolute diehard Duke fan, but um, it was absolutely surreal watching that game, you know, cause at the beginning as college has gone on, me being a Duke fan is completely worn off. Cause I'm just invested in Alabama. So it was like a little part of me that would be like, that was like with all of this buildup, it'd be hilarious if Carolina won. But as the game progressed and I saw all these players, I grew up, you know, just idolizing. Like I, I was my, some of my first memories of basketball are watching JJ Reddick shoot, um, you know, at Duke play at Duke and trying to like, as like a four or five, six year old mimic what he was doing out in the driveway out in my backyard. And like, like, that was an example of a guy you see Quinn Cook right next to him in all the pictures and you know like all the stuff he did at Duke you see all these guys Grayson Allen I mean you go down the line but I mean from the time I was able to consume basketball and uh actually know what I was watching Duke is that was my main thing so uh as the game progressed I was like man Coach K did give me so many great memories growing up I'd love to see him win his last one in Cameron uh I mean, it was it was surreal watching that game coming in because it was like it was kind of like a movie, except in the sense that it's like this isn't actually happening. Right. And it just kept like going worse and worse and worse. No, you uh, thought surely Duke, like when, they're going to start hitting shots like North Carolina's going to, you know, give them the ball, like get a full win, whatever. To, to be honest, I was like, I mean, if it comes down to a one or two possession game, the refs will find a way to let Coach K have this last one. Not that <laughs> the refs have a tendency to like do that kind of stuff but I was just like that that was like so I was just so strongly believing Duke was going to win the game and I mean they, they they really just struggled defending that pick and roll that Baycott ran with uh who was it was it RJ Davis who was their guard that they were running it with I um think maybe Davis and then um the Oklahoma transfer uh Brady Manick was coming on the uh, role replace action I mean they couldn't stop it it was like every possession down they uh, North Carolina got a good look and um their offense just a little sighted down the stretch but it was it was surreal watching that I watched the whole post game um it was I mean that was the most awkward part was the post game it was it was it was weird it was because weird. he steps up uh, there they're like, like cheering and they're like no coach it's okay and he's like shut up shut up this is my yeah. moment let me speak I'll say this you know everybody loved hating on coach K for that I thought I was like that that is the coach K I grew up loving. That was just a competitive, like, you know what? And uh, like, 
I'm all about that guy. So I was like, yeah, I got to see a glimpse of him again. That was great. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what was also hilarious. Did you did you watch the postgame ceremony at all? Yeah, I saw the whole thing. When they were giving him all those gifts, and I was like, oh, man, you're giving Coach K a painting? Oh, I, oh he I, gets I mean, a he's never plaque? Gotten one of those. Wow. He's never gotten one of those before. I was no like, way. <laughs> I mean, sure. The, the scholarship at the end, I think he that was in the name of his family, and they're giving five student athlete scholarships or that, that's pretty cool. I mean, but like even even that is like, I mean, you you could just about name the school after him at this point. Like the stuff they gave him, that's just like that's like tokens. me giving you like a commemorative napkin, being like, "Hey, Britain, yeah. why don't you put this on your wall?" Or like one of those Alabama basketball stickers. jersey. One of those stickers you get from your teacher after getting a good grade on a test, like you did it. It's like the, you give me that after like four years of playing high level, you know, high major college basketball. And it's like that's that's your thank you. Move on. I mean, obviously, I know that's not the approach to it, but it was it was really funny have watching Coach K have to sit there after what was what had to be like one of the worst losses for him in years, and just like accept all of these just gifts that like he he acted very appreciative. He I think he played the uh the role of you know being very grateful in that moment very very well yeah uh but he was like i mean at the end of the day those are meaningless gifts of appreciation uh that he had to really act like he was just super pumped to receive after his team lost and in front of all those former players and did they put north carolina put 90 on the board or was it high 80s i almost put 100 they almost put 100 they put like 94 96 you just get absolutely embarrassed there was also there was also the um the line that coach K said where he's like, you know, our players didn't play well tonight. He's looking, he looked at his four plays. He goes, some of you guys didn't either. Sometimes <laughs> and I was like, that's a great, that's a great line. So uh, it was, it was surreal watching that game, watching the post game, watching everything, especially the other thing is knowing how much those tickets cost and knowing how much some people who were probably very wealthy Duke alums paid to be able to go back and watch that game. Probably reminisce on all the years it got to be in, uh, in Cameron as a, a Cameron crazy and just watch them lose to their biggest rival. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even have the words for that. That's unbelievable. I mean, imagine dropping like 50 K. My favorite to was watch. Jerry Seinfeld. Cause his daughter goes to Duke and, but he didn't go yeah. to Duke and he was wearing the Duke sweatshirt and the announcer was ear, like earplugs. Yeah. That's you shouldn't do that. If you're watching a basketball game, especially, Oh, Oh, like I thought you meant like AirPods, like earplugs, earplugs. No, no, no. Like, trying to block out the noise oh well i respect that because it was probably insane um yeah but they were like oh well, that's what they're saying what's his connection to duke and then you know billis was like his daughter goes here or whatever and then the play-by-play guy was like oh well never mind that sweatshirt cost a whole lot more than fifty dollars that was the line of the broadcast that was great yeah, that's funny. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Duke basketball, but thank you for listening to not. us reminisce about that. And, and I will say, on that note, uh, I am going to get teary-eyed right now if we even expand on what happens the day that Saban uh, announces his retirement. I guarantee you it'll be after a season, and he won't want any of the hoopla shenanigans, um, stuff like that that happened for Coach K. Agreed. But But if there was a farewell game, Best believe it would be four hours of Saban's Alabama team just making the opponents ass quit for, you know, for four straight hours. That's what, that's all we'd want to see. And I, uh, and I, I would want, I think we need a podcast of like players through the generations 
of like coming on and not our podcast. If our, our podcast, yes, you're welcome to it after the season. Um, but talking, just telling saving stories in the same way that you're going to be able to tell Oates stories for years. Um, we can already tell he's going to be wildly successful and we st- hope he sticks around uh, for a very, very long time to build up yeah. Alabama. Um, no doubt. That is going to be it for us here on week 18 of the Mean Streets podcast. It's SEC Tournament Week. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode. This was a very uh, a little bit longer one, but very fun. We will talk to you next week as March Madness approaches. Uh, we will have a full bracket this time next week. We've got an SEC Tournament bracket. Uh, it is a one-game season from here on out, and we can hope to repeat as SEC Tournament champions. want to remind everybody to follow the Mean Streets podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. want to give a shout-out to our Mean Streets person of the week, Ben Hendricks, uh, loyal fan, shout out. loyal loyal listener, and, and loyal follower, Ben Hendricks. Um, and just do you have anything goat. to say about Ben? Just a goat. Yeah, I mean, just a legend. Congrats to him. Uh, the man got engaged recently. Uh, so shout out to him and Allie. They're they're just the best. So yeah, and uh, their wedding is slated for the bye weekend in the fall, which is a brilliant move. Um, and I'll, I expect nothing less from the great from the great. I want to give a congratulations to him less. and a and a congratulations on the scheduling. You couldn't have done it any better. Um, like I said, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mean Streets Pod. Check out our merchandise, bandwagonsports.com. Click on Team Shop, then click on Mean Streets. Follow us on social media. Uh, we will hopefully get and disseminate uh, full moon barbecue gift cards, uh, the rest of our stickers, and all such merchandise that we have. But check us out on bandwagonsports.com. I'm William Galloway. Britain has got the final word for us. Britain, it's tournament time. It's March. You've got the final word. Take it away. Yeah, just this is March. This is where big time players make big time plays and big time moments. And, you know, I believe we're built for it. So this is March. Let's go.